I appreciate um, the opportunity. Thanks, Trey, for the, for the introduction. Uh, thanks for the team. Uh, I got here a little earlier, so I got to see the, a little bit of the, what the team does to set up for services. A lot of hardworking people uh, sacrificing their time on Sunday morning, so I really, really appreciate all of you. And uh, definitely a shout-out and a thanks to our pastor, Pastor Adam Polk. Um, he's not even here to witness this, so that means he trusted me doubly time. <laughs> and I really appreciate him as a friend and as a brother. Uh, first day I met him, I was very impressed by him. And uh, I, I just, uh, I was like, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay here. So that was a year ago uh, this November. Uh, so let me uh, just uh, ask the Lord to help us this morning. Oh, Holy Spirit, I need you now. I've always needed you. Lord, we continue to need you together as a people, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here together. It's because of you that we're here. It's for you that we're here. And I pray that you move upon our hearts powerfully, that your word that you promised will not return to you void, do its work, that it cleanses us from the inside out. Father, that it, it move us, that it conform us to the image of your glorious son, Jesus Christ, O oh God. And that, Father, we, uh, as we focus on the afterlife and the application that uh, we can take from what your word shows us about heaven, uh, I just pray, Father, that you move us and that you shift us, Lord God, in our daily living, Lord God, so that we can reflect that more closely, Lord God. We are your church. We are your people, Lord God. And I just pray that as your children, you take care of us. Give us the food that we need this morning, Lord. We hunger. We thirst after you, O God. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you give me the utterance to represent you well, Lord God. Thank you, Father, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be talking about the little, uh, one of the last portions of the Apostles' Creed, uh, where it talks about uh, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, and uh, I just get really amp about that, and I just wanted to kind of start off with a little analogy that uh, as I was praying, as I was seeking God for this sermon, uh, God kind of dropped this on my heart as far as some parallels between something that we're all familiar with and something that's, that we find in the Word, uh, in the book of Revelation and, and other points in the Scripture. You can turn um, this, the, the, uh, the slide there. Uh, don't hate, first of all. Don't hate. All the Giants, you know. Giants fans are Alex. So that's my people. That's my one, my one person. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so... Um, the NFL is a crazy phenomenon here in the United States, is it not? I mean, people just flock to these games. Uh, all of us like it. I like a good NFL game, as uh, Trey mentioned earlier. And there's a lot of parallels that we can draw, I think, between a, a couple of particular types of plays and things that happen during an NFL game and this ultimate thing that we see in Scripture called the eternal state where, you know, it's all done. It's all said and done, and now for eternity, this is how it's going to be. And um, I, I get excited about it. And um, one thing that we can draw, and one of my favorite plays from the NFL, is when um, the, the, the team on offense is on like the, about the 20 or the 30-yard line, and the, the end zone, the score, the goal is in sight. You know, they, they're getting ready to score. They, they're trying to strategize as to what the best way to do that is. And then uh, some, from time to time, you see this fantastically amazing display of athleticism, stamina, and power and strength from an individual human being and from the, a, a group of uh, human beings that have been training for this, uh, the, for this moment most of the year. And one of my favorite plays is when they give the, the running back the ball, 
And then, like, after that, he does this amazing, I mean, he's juking dudes, faking guys out, stiff-arming guys, doing spin moves to try to evade the defenders, and even sometimes hurdling people. I, I mean, that, I just get, that, that's the type of play that makes people get, get off their seat, like, oh, this dude just dumped over a human being. This is crazy. And so th- that type of play, and then we finally scores after all that toil and all that trouble. I find a, a great analogy between that and the Christian walk. So God, when he saves a human being, he gives us the empowerment by his Holy Spirit to do incredible, amazing things that otherwise we would not be able to do by ourselves. And so sometimes, you know, as, as the world, as our flesh, as our enemy Satan is coming at us, God enables us and empowers us by the Holy Spirit to do things to evade his advances. All right, so with stiff arming, you know, all that stuff relates to stuff like prayer and persevering over tragedies or overcoming our own tendencies to be more in tune and in alignment with God's word. Uh, just amazing things that when people see that individual, they're like, no way. Like, there's no, I know Omar from 15 years ago. There's no way that that Omar is the same Omar that just did that. There's no way. And then you take the opportunity to say, glory be to God. He saved me. And I thank God that uh, 14 years ago, God did that for me uh, while I was in college. I'm very grateful for what he's done in my life. And so the end zone, of course, is like the touchdown. The, 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 our, our Christian touchdown is the eternal state, heaven, where at last, and I'll, I'll read it in a little bit, uh, pain will be no more, suffering will be no more. It's, it's a celebration. And something, a, a crazy phenomenon happens that I want you to kind of focus on here, and that's why I put these pictures up. The unity, the unity in which... I mean, there's a 52-man roster on an NFL team. When a dude scores, all different types of guys from different socioeconomic backgrounds, different ethnicities come up to, get, come up to him, and they're high-fiving him. They're slapping helmets, slapping butts, slapping everything. I mean, they're, they're like, doing the, the thing where you jump up and, like, bump each other, and sometimes they jump into the crowd, and they, they just all get amped and excited because it, collectively they've done this. So the fans are cheering, and uh, defenders, uh, 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 guys on the offensive line and, and on, the, on the offense are blocking for the running back to enable him, to empower him, uh, to equip him to do what he needs to do. And so uh, that's how it's going to be. It's going to be a big, giant celebration for us when we get to our heavily end zone touchdown, if you will. You know, so and, and this unites people. You know, people are united in this effort. So dudes from, like, inner city Chicago are high-fiving and hugging Dudes that are from southern Alabama, like, you know, just otherwise they would have completely no relation to each other. And praise be to God, that's what God has done by injecting us through salvation into this thing we call the body of Christ. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. But I just, I just find this uh, an incredible phenomenon. Some people, a lot of people find this as a replacement for God, so they'll skip church, or they'll, if they're not, you know, unbelievers, this is their focus, and I, I know a lot of people like that. Raise your hand if you know somebody like that, that Sunday is just like, it's just football time, and that's it. All right, three people, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is, in a, in a sense, replaces in a lot of people's lives what should be in there, which is the, the gathering up of the saints, the body of Christ. You should be uh, having the Lord's Day, a separate day, a Sabbath, to, to worship the Lord, to hear from his word, to, to set aside time for him. Uh, you know, unfortunately, people use this as their substitute worship, and they worship this game, uh, a game where literally, like, the, it, it's, it, the people are playing. It's, it's a game. A guy throws a ball, and another guy catches it. Like, it's a game. 
it's not as glorious by any means or any stretch of the imagination of God, amen? And so um, that, that's unfortunate. But this unites people in such crazy ways. Even, you know, I've been to some of these games, people high-fiving each other and all that, different backgrounds. But it, it's, it's crazy how you can have so much unity in something like a football setting, but when it comes to Sunday mornings, at times there's a lot of disunity. And I'd like to talk to, uh, to us about that today and kind of like uh, share what I believe is in Scripture about what, uh, what God reveals about the eternal state uh, and how we can apply that to our uh, current lives, our current hearts, our day-to-day living, and our church life. Amen? So um, if you will turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. Uh, thanks, Trey, for reading uh, those two awesome Scriptures, and we'll get into those in a little bit. But Revelation chapter 21 Shows like the it, the eternal state. And I just get really excited about it. So I'm going to read it. 21, the first five verses. This is John the Apostle. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God will be with them as their God. This is, this is where it gets really uh, incredible here. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. The former things have passed. So no more crying, no more suffering, no more agony. Just think about this for a second. The daily grind, right? We're, we're all going to share in this moment where we finally realize that even things like day-to-day hurts, so like getting up in the morning after you've had a late night, that grogginess, if, you, if you're like me, you stare at your clothes for like 15 minutes, you're like, what in the world, what am I going to wear? That's why I picked my clothes out last night. But I, I have those moments where I just, I just can't wake up. I'm, I'm standing there with my eyes open, and I'm, and I'm standing, but I'm still sleeping, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that is going to be no more. That toil, that struggle, emotional distress is going to be no more. So worrying, uh, being hurt by somebody's words, uh, experiencing heavy disappointment, that's going to be no more. The effects of sin from human beings is going to be no more. So stuff like ISIS, stuff like the crazy dude that tried to chop up some police officers in New York City this past week, no more. The flesh is not going to have an impact on us anymore for the rest of eternity. Isn't that going to be awesome? I mean, if you just think about it, we're not going to have a full revelation until we get there, but my goodness, it just, it just wells up excitement from within you. It's it just high expectation for that moment. Uh, 2, Peter says, 2 Peter 3.13 says this, But according to his promises, according to his promise, we are awaiting the new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Righteousness will dwell there. And I love it that it says, Oh, God will dwell among his people. Righteousness. God himself will dwell among us. There will be no sin. There will be no, nothing to worry about. And I, I just love that. I remember one time 
um, I, I had a dream. And in my dream, it was, I felt a dream about the new earth. And I remember getting there and I had an overwhelming sense of all of the battles were fought and done. Like, there was nothing else to worry about. And I'm not going to get into details of what I saw because I don't want anybody, you know, taking it, you know, uh, too seriously. But there was a family there that we were very close to, that we're still very close to this day. Uh, and I remember seeing them and we were looking at each other and it was like giddiness. Like, like this, is, this is it. Like, this, we were just giddy out of our minds. There was just, there was nothing to worry about anymore. And as I looked around, I was like, yeah, I could do this for eternity. I could do this. This is awesome. Like, I will never get tired of this. And it was like most of what I felt from the dream was the overwhelming sensation of peace and rest. And we're all going to experience, as the body of Christ, every believer this morning, we're going to experience eventually eternal rest. Jesus says, come unto me, all you who, who have heavy burdens and are, and are, and are worried and are, are just heavy in your souls. And he says, I will give you rest. And that rest starts on this side of eternity, and it continues on for the rest of eternity. And we'll get a, a greater revelation of what that rest really is, but even on this side, Jesus promised that this life was going to be hard, and yet he said he was going to give us rest. So what? Because that the rest doesn't, it doesn't depend on our external circumstances this side of heaven. Amen? Rest is peace from within, knowing that God is God. He's sovereign. He's in control. And you as his child are going to be well taken care of. And, and these temporary things in life are, are, are going to be that, just that, temporary. But the eternal rest that we have to look forward to, the type of rest he's talking about here in Revelation 21, is, is going to be the ultimate reward for those who persevere. Check this out. So every tongue, tribe, and nation. Everybody say, say that after me. Every tongue, tribe, and nation. Okay, cool. Just remember that throughout this whole sermon. Every tongue, tribe, and nation are going to experience that eternal rest forever and ever. Look at Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17 through 18. It says, Behold, I, this is God speaking, I create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. I love that. I'm not even going to think about it. Verse 18, it says, But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. Jesus said he, he, he goes to prepare a place for us. He said that to the, to the disciples before he left the earth. He said, I create this for you, for, for my people. I just think that's awesome. I mean, we're, we're, we're not going to remember the, the toil. We're not going to remember the hardship. That's gonna, it's going to be completely irrelevant, completely drowned out by the glory of God as we're in his presence for the rest of time. And, and we're going to need even glorified bodies, y'all. And this is, this is deep, so we, we can't get in, into it too much this morning. But we're going to receive glorified bodies like the type that Christ had after the resurrection just to be able to withstand how glorious the eternal state is going to be. It's going to be incredibly awesome. It's going to be everything that we ever wanted to satisfy us in our souls, and I can't wait for that. I just can't, because this life has a lot of problems. There's a lot of problems that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. A lot of, you know, people, you know, we go to work, and people have issues. You know, we have issues in our families. We have internal struggles as a believer, even after salvation, you just, that, 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 we, that we battle with, just uh, going back and forth with the flesh, and like, disciplining yourself and seeking God even though you don't feel like it. There's, there's going to be so many things that are just going to be gonna, gone and, and done away with. Cool. The reason that 
we're all going to share in the same rest is because, point two, we have the same Savior. We have the same Savior. As the body of Christ, every person here who is a follower of Jesus Christ, not just a moral person, amen, because morality is not Christianity, everybody who's a follower of Jesus Christ so you, you can't be a, a Christian or follow Jesus Christ if you're not actually doing the things that he's asked you to do. You know, it's not, it's not like I, I prayed a prayer one time, right? Uh, being a follower of Jesus Christ, all followers of Jesus Christ have the same Savior. This, the, and there's this image right here, we're going to talk about this. It, I hope this image brings and, and, and it, to your mind and stirs in your heart a lot of emotions, a lot of uh, things about who God is and who Jesus Christ is as the Lamb of God. Uh, we're going to read, uh, going back to Revelation 5.9, I'll just read that again. They sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood, by your blood, the blood of the Lamb, you, were, you ransomed people for God from every, again, tongue, from every tribe, from every language, from every people, and every nation. All peoples, all ethnicities, all people groups, he ransomed. We're talking about ransom, talking about he bought, he paid for by his blood, submitted to the Father, appeasing his wrath for his people, for the people of God now. We all deserve wrath because we've sinned against a holy God. And he says the penalty for sin is death. He says the soul that sin, the sins shall die. Jesus Christ is our substitute lamb. And this, you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, foreshadowing in the New Testament of the atonement of Jesus Christ. So God ordained, he, he put ordinances in place where a lamb would be sacrificed, a, a lamb without spot or blemish would be sacrificed for the sins of the people. So the blood would be let out, the lifeblood of a lamb for our, for the, for the, on behalf of the people. And so in the same way, Jesus Christ came, as John the Baptist so beautifully put it, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so the Lamb of God is the Lamb for all of God's people. So we all share as God's people, those of us that are saved this morning, we have the same Savior. And I love it that they sang a new song. And listen, Revelation chapter 5 is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Because there's a, there's a time, and we don't, have to get time, we don't have time to get into all of it, but there's a scroll that's in the right hand of God, and somebody needed to take it, but no one was found worthy. No one was found worthy uh, on heaven and earth or under the earth. And it causes John, as he's seeing this, to cry deeply. He says, no, that, that's, that's really important. And, and nobody is found worthy. But then he's told, it's okay. Take courage because the lamb, the lamb has been found worthy. And so he's worthy to take the scroll and then what unfolds after that is, is amazing, and you can read it for yourself. I highly recommend it. But we're fully paid for as God's people. We have the same Savior. Uh, turn your Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 11. This blood is the most cleansing and the most powerful liquid ever known to creation. Ever known to creation. And its power is not just physical, its power is spiritual. And it, it, it breaks down things. So it, it breaks down, you know, like I, like I mentioned earlier, 
we deserve God's wrath because we sinned against him, but the blood of Jesus Christ shed on behalf of his people takes care of that for us. And so the blood of Christ takes care of so many things in that, in appeasing God's wrath. And the Ephesians chapter 2, verses, starting at verse 11, starts going into that. And it's, it's so beautiful the way that Paul the apostle puts it on display here. Before that, I, let me just read this scripture real quick. I kind of forgot to read this. First Peter uh, 1, verse 18 to 19 says, Knowing that you were ransomed, again, fully paid for, from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, kind of like what I was saying earlier, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. All right? So this liquid called the blood of Jesus Christ is the most powerful liquid ever because it can appease the, the wrath of God. It can cleanse us of sin and unrighteousness that keeps us in separation from God. And so Paul goes into it a little bit deeper in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, so starting at verse 11 all the way to 16, it says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh were called the uncircumcision. So he's referring to non-Jews. At one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, a.k.a. Jews, which is made by the flesh in the flesh by hands. Remember that you at one time were separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope outside of Christ, no hope, and without God in the world. But, and the buts in the Bible are incredible. I, I just love because it, it, just, it just shifts and alters everything that was just said. Bad news, now good news. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one. One, united, one. And has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by, which, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So he's uniting peoples. And in this, in this circumstance, in this context, there's a lot of strife and a lot of beef going on between Jews and Gentiles. So, but he came, his blood came to make one out of two. So making peace. That's the end of verse 15, verse 16. And might reconcile us both to God, both of us to God, in one body, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So it's obvious here, as we were talking about earlier with how uh, the NFL and how people are united within a football team, the blood of Christ unites people way more than anything else. Way more. Because now we're, we're separated, we're all isolated, alienated from, from Christ and separated from God because of our sin. But now we're together and like I said earlier, you get injected. You, listen, when you didn't have a relationship with Christ, you were isolated. You were by yourself. You were outside kind of doing your own thing. When you get saved, you get injected into a body. You now belong to one unit. So I pray that that just kind of sinks into your minds, and as you meditate that, uh, on that throughout the week, we belong as one body. 
We, we belong to one. We're united. We function together. That's why uh, 1 Corinthians 12 says, you know, the, the, the eyes can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Because they serve one another. They, they work together to perform uh, the mighty works of God on this earth. That's, how, that's what we should be reflecting, amen, as the body of Christ. But yet, like I said, there is separation um, from us every Sunday morning. They, they say that Sunday morning is the most divided couple of hours in the week. Because people go to just the, their own different um, things where they just want to hang out with people that, that are like them unfortunately. And we're going to get into that. So we're a big multi-ethnic multitude, just, re- just like it is back then in Revelation 5, 7, and chapter 21. That's going to be a whole big old multi-ethnic gigantic family, a sea of people of difference. So you're going to be chilling with like people of aborigine tribes. You know, like some missionary went out there in Australia and spoke to some people that you've never even laid eyes upon. Like maybe you saw in some history book somewhere. So, so you're going to be talking to people that are from North Korea and were oppressed and maybe even were martyred or in China or somewhere in, from Brazil that had a completely different. So this is who we're going to be hanging with and join the new earth with for the rest of time. For the, and we're going we're gonna to be, it's going to be a party. We're going to be rejoicing. We're going to play together, so to speak. And, and in the dream there, there, there were, that I had, there, was, there were things that we could do. You know, I'm not, like I said, not, I don't want to get the details. I don't want this to turn into like, like uh, heaven is for real or anything like that. And by the way, please, if you want to know about the end time and, and, and heaven and all that, please read the Bible. Please don't. Please, please. People that take heaven is for real above the script. Come on, stop. But yet, we're going to be rejoicing for the rest of time, together, forever. Every tongue, nation, tribe, people. Shouldn't we try to reflect that on this side of heaven? Should we not? Should we not strive for that? Our brothers and sisters, and even those brothers and sisters that are not yet saved, that God is calling us to go and reach out to, and be the mouthpiece, and preach the gospel to. We should be together in this. Amen. Cool, so that leads me to my third point. We are of the same family. One body, united. The dividing wall of hostility has been smashed by the blood of Christ. And we should take pleasure in smashing that. And however we can in our personal lives, we should take pleasure in smashing that dividing wall. Because that's, that's the, the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father is to have his children be united. That's his heart. That's why I think, that, listen, there's some things in Revelation that, that John was told not to write. He said, hey, don't, listen, I know you're seeing this in, in the school. Don't write this. But this, you write. This, you write. And, that, and that's in the, in the last verse in uh, Revelation chapter 21, well, the, the, first, the fifth verse. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't even read the fifth verse. No, it says, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down to John, for these words are trustworthy and true. Write this down. Make sure you get this. And so he's, he's, dis- he's putting on display this, this multi-ethnic family, humongous body of Christ family. He's like, Make sure that future generations can see this. And I love that. 
he's allowing us a peek into how it's going to be. And he's encouraging us through everything that he's allowing John to write. It's purposeful. Every, every line has a purpose. Every scripture is God breathed. Amen. Cool. So going back to Revelation 7 verse 9. It says, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could, could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. The Lamb. Clothed in white robes, new wardrobes, with palm branches in their hands, similar to the type that Jesus was greeted by when he came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Palm branches. And crying with a loud voice, all united, crying with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God. It belongs to him. From the very beginning, when God established his church in Acts chapter 2, one of the first things that he did was show people a, a, un, a unification process there. So people spoke, you know, the, the Holy Spirit fell, and people spoke in other languages. And people with different languages in a very busy uh, part of Jerusalem were like, huh, what? I know that guy can't speak that language, but, but look, he's speaking in my language, extolling God. And people, they, they, a, a crowd is drawn in like, okay, what, what's going on? Like, what, huh? People are speaking all types of different languages, and, and in that marketplace where there was just a lot of people of different varying languages, he's uniting them together, bringing them to the apostles, and then all of a sudden, God says, okay, Peter, let's do it. And Peter preaches this amazing sermon, and 3,000 people get saved, the, the, the establishment of the church. It's amazing. So right at the beginning, God is unifying his people. Right at the beginning. This is a gospel thing, folks. Like, this is a gospel thing. The gospel unifies. We have the same Savior. We're going to be in the same rest. We are part of the same family. The gospel, we're all on even ground. We're all sinners before God. We're all made in the image of God, but we're marred because of sin. God wants to restore that image by the blood of Christ. He wants, to make us, he wants to make us his children to redeem us from our own ways, from the ways of this world, from the enemy's traps. He wants to separate us and make us a people unto himself. That's the gospel. Cool. So look at what God says about who his family are. This is Jesus in Mark chapter 3, verse 35. He says, because you know, people are like, hey, uh, Jesus, your brother's looking for you. He's like, whoever does the will of God he is my brother and my sister and my mother. Whoever does the will of God is the family of Jesus Christ. He's the elder brother. We're adopted as believers, uh, sons and daughters of the Most High God. God is our, the, the Father's our Father. We're all in this together as one big family. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, here's one specific verse from what I was mentioning earlier when God established um, the, the first church with the 3,000 get saved and they join the apostles. It says, and they, meaning the people that got saved, the followers of Christ, the newborn believers, says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship gathering together and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. So he, people were divided, separated, kind of doing their own thing. God saves them, brings them together. And now they're living in community together. That's what they do. That's who they are. 
When we are saved, now we live in community together as, as believers. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to be individualistic and like, oh, I'm, I'm over here, like, and, and please encourage those that, that, that you know, do the, uh, the, the, the TV Sunday morning worship, you know, where, oh, my pastor's on the, the TV, and I don't, I don't need to, I, I'm, just, I'm just a Christian, I don't need to go to church. Please encourage them that, that that's not what they were born again to do, if they are born again. Because if you're born again, you're going to be obedient to the word, and the word does say to gather up. Because that's who we are. That's our identity. Like, we're no, we're, we're, we were once, like, off doing our own thing, but now God has saved us, injects us into a body, and we're supposed to live as a body together in community. And I love that. that it, we, we should be closer than even some of our relatives, if not even more. So the first part is that his children be united. So think about this, if, especially those of us that have older kids. Uh, you're going to relate to this a lot. Um, think about if your kids were feuding, or as we call it in the hip-hop world, beefing. If there was beef, if there was like this, this um, opposition within your kids, uh, it hurts your heart, doesn't it? And listen, it, it, it's different. Because when, when they're little, it's like, oh, well, he won't play with me, you know. And, and then they hug and make, and make up, and then Janice is really good at that. My son, like, <laughs> what's up? And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a good big brother, a good uh, big brother to Adai and Soraya. So he'll, he'll, they, they hug each other up, they kiss each other and say, oh, I forgive you. And it's, it's a cute moment and they move on. When you get older, sometimes it gets a little rougher. Now it's like, uh, well, I'm not going to talk to you for a couple weeks. Well, I'm not going to hang out with you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to distance myself from you. So that there's, there's like more hurt, more pain there. And then when you get, and, and this, that might even be in the teen years, right? So there's bickering and there's like just poutiness and bad attitudes all around. And, and, it, and it pains a parent's heart to see that amongst their kids. But even when they get even older, when they get, you know, beyond 23, you know, they're grown adults. And now it's like, well, I'm not going to show up to the family reunion because I know you're going to be there. Now my kids can't hang out with your kids. And I've seen that. It's sad. It is sad. And think about that. Like, listen, there have been hurtful things that have happened even in this country that is part of the reason why churches are separated the way they are today. Painful historical facts. Where now we're like, well, I don't want to hang out with those people because I've been hurt by them so many times and I'm sick of it. I refuse to put myself in that spot again. It pains the father's heart. Think about it. Us older parents here, think about it. Oh, man, no. I, even, uh, you know, though my kids are young, I, I don't like it when they're fighting. I want them to be united and happy because we're, we're family. We're supposed to stick together. We're supposed to be close. It pains the father's heart greatly when his people are separated. And so we should be trying to that as much as possible, as much as possible to please the father's heart. That's the life of a believer. We should be seeking to please the Father's heart at all times. Amen? So just think about that, all right? So it, it pains us greatly. And we should be thoroughly enjoying one another. And I think that's when, when it says that every tear shall be wiped away, I think that's going to that's be some things that we realize at, at, in, a, in the blink of an eye maybe, that we're, where there's going to be some tears and some things that, that we're going to regret at some point, I believe where there's going to be some form of regret there. 
Like, oh man, I wasted all that time. Now, in the eternal state, we're not going to remember these things anymore. We're just going to be rejoicing and enjoying each other. But I think, in a sense, what Revelation teaches us now is that we shouldn't, we shouldn't waste time in divisions. And anything that even looks like a division, we should be working to tear it down. Because if we're going to enjoy ourselves, each other, for eternity, we should be doing that and reflecting that on this side of eternity. Amen? We should be reflecting that. We should be striving to do that. We should be seeking to destroy and being God's agents here on this earth, we should be seeking to destroy the dividing wall of hostility. We, we as agents of change, as the, the hands and feet of Jesus, the body of Christ, we should be being used in this world that's full of sin and darkness to show the world what life is all about. And life, in, in what we're talking about this morning, part of life is all about unity. The, God desires that people made in his image be unified. That his people, his body that he's saving for himself be united. And we're inviting people to be part of our family. And when we invite people to be part of our family, we should display that, hey, we welcome all people. Because we were all on the same ground. We were all, you know, like, our righteousness was that of a filthy rag. That's everybody. But praise be to God that he sent his son. And now, as believers, we wear his righteousness. And that is what pleases the Father, ultimately, is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's what the Father sees when he sees us as believers. The righteousness of his son. That's the only thing that we need. That's enough, more than enough. Cool, so now, without condemnation, without condemnation, I'm dead serious. Please do not feel guilty. Please do not uh, turn your heads down. Without condemnation, just think about the composition of this church. All right? I, I th- and we have some diversity here. You know, there's a, there's a scattering of us. But I think we can strive for more. I think we can strive for more. And we should not stop striving for more. Like, church life is similar to our individual lives in, in which there's a sanctification process, right? We're, we're not all going to be, like, 100% good. Like, like there were things when I did, that I did after I got saved initially that I'm like, dang, I can't believe I did that. That was silly. That was sin. So God's been growing me up, raising me up. And the, and the same way for the, with the church. There should always be reform going on in our personal lives and always be reform going on in our church. And, and I mean, there's, there's a million things to do. And, 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 and praise be to God, you, you have a pastor that works hard. The man has a lot on his plate. He's busy. He's working. He's praying. He's fighting for the health of the church. He knows the, the responsibility and the weightiness of being a lead elder in this church. And I appreciate so much of, I mean, I appreciate everything he does. He, he works hard. But he, he knows, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, um, things to juggle, right? So there's, there's always something going on, there's always something in the air. And that's, that's just going to be the nature of, of church life. There's always going to be something that we're working on, right? And this should be some, one of the things that we work on. You know, it's like, how can we, when people walk through those doors, how can we make them feel like, they belong here, that we, we welcome them here. And praise be to God that this church has a lot of good things going for it. I remember uh, Rick Benefield's smiling face my first day when I walked out of the bathroom, and he's just like, hey, what's up? Like, <laughs> like oh, I, I just came out of the bathroom. Hey, okay, what's up? Like, <laughs> it was just one of those awkward, like, I just came out of the bathroom, and, you know, you wanna, I, I guess there's some, like, unspoken time interval between like you leaving the bathroom and like when you can function normally I don't know but I it was just like right there he said hey you know and I I just thank him for that 
And there's so many awesome, friendly people here. This church has definitely has this going for it. There's friendliness and abundance here. And there's loving people here. And the first day, you know, like doing the, uh, the after-church luncheon and, and then meeting more people there and hearing the testimonies of people that really walk with Christ here. It's a, it's a great church. That's why I'm here. <laughs> but, you know, there's always more work that we can do, amen? So you, you have a great foundation, but we need to just continually build upon it, just like every church in this county. Because it's not just us, right? Other churches have this issue. Even on the other side, was mostly another ethnicity. And even they have to focus and meditate on the scripture. Okay, what's the heart of the Father in this, in this regard? We all need to strive for this, even in our personal lives. And there's going to be a lot of application at the end, and I definitely want to get to that. And, and of course, because of our differences, it's get, it gets messy at times, right? It gets really awkward. Because, and, and I love it how Matt Chandler put this. He said, this is a, a pastor from uh, Dallas that I really love. Uh, he said, you know who's never going to misunderstand me? Uh, 39-year-old white dudes. It's true. Because, you know, th- there's, there's the demographic, just, uh, uh, you know, similar backgrounds and stuff like that. You know, w- when I'm at home and I, and I go back to, and I, let's say I visit a church in Spanish Harlem in New York where I went to high school, there's a slew of hip-hop-loving Hispanic people. And, you know, I can talk to, you know, there, there's certain things that I know they're not, they're not going to misunderstand me. But when there's diversity in the room, there's, there's a difference there, but a lot of time it sparks great things. And listen, I was at a meeting at work the other day, and my boss's boss's boss, who's in this room, and he shall remain nameless, but he said something really, really good. So he's talking to the whole division, right? And he's like, listen, I want there to be diversity in our division. And I'm talking about age and all, that, all types of ideas coming to the table, because oftentimes when there's a homogeny, it, it, you know, there's not as, as much of a spark. There's not as much of a, a, a creative process there. We need different people with different skill sets and, and different backgrounds to come to the table, and then something beautiful happens, Then there's progress. And I believe that that's, how, that's one of the motivations that we should be striving for diversity in our church, that there's different people groups with different sets and different giftings all over St. Mary's County that when they come here, there's going to be more added. There's going to be more abundance of ministry. There's going to be more things that we can do. There's going to be more people that we can reach for the gospel. And so we should strive for that. There are people, let's say, it's kind of like the, and Adam talked about it, it's like a, like a, like a toolkit, right? So, you know, you, you bust out the Swiss Army knife and there's different things in there. You know, the, you know, the, the corkscrew, the knife, whatever, the scissors. And so the more people we get of different backgrounds and different ethnicities and cultures, the more better off we'll be. Even people of hello socioeconomic classes. You're quiet up in here. <laughs> Anyway, uh, but yeah, so, so oftentimes homogeny works against us because if we're just hanging out with people the way that people that are just like us, then we don't get challenged sometimes. Praise be to God for those of us that are married. Uh, you know about this, right? You know about this. Like if you marry somebody that's exactly like you, you're not going to change. But God usually puts somebody that's different from you to, to, to tell you off when you're wrong. You know, to, to make you, like, aware of your deficiencies. Amen. Yeah. 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 Hey, you, you, you thought you were hot stuff until you got married. And then your wife was like, yeah, let me, about that, like, let me share some things with you real quick. You know, so it's the same with diversity. 
there might be somebody that will come in here and they'll, and, and, and they'll get up on a pulpit like this, they'll wear a pink tie and, and glasses and, and a blue blazer and Jordans, and they'll say, hey, there's some things that, 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 that we still need help with. But I believe that, I, that, that God has our family here for a reason. You know what I'm saying? So again, just, just think about that. And, and this is not something that, you know, we, we can't be training ourselves to be colorblind, all right? Please don't do that. We got to acknowledge our differences, the beautiful parts of, our, of what makes us different. God made us that way. And so when he brings somebody to the body of Christ that's different, we should appreciate that. We should have like, okay, you bring something fresh and new to the table. You know what I'm saying? So we should appreciate those differences. It's, it's not being colorblind. It's not saying, well, well, I don't, I don't ever see color when I talk to people. Nah, I, I, I feel your heart when you say that. I feel your heart, but, but don't say that because then you're neglecting who that person is in their background. You're, you're, you're neglecting their cultural, their, their upbringing, and all that stuff. You're, you're, you're ignoring that in a lot of ways. We should embrace it. We should, we should seek to understand each other, have conversations that are hard at times, difficult. Because we all have the same future. And that's uh, for my fourth point, and then I'll go into the application. We, we all have the same future. I'll read these scriptures. Revelation 12, 2. It says, I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her, her husband. So we're together. We're the bride of Christ. We're together united. We all have the same future, and God is going to bring us all to the same place. Revelation 12, 9b to 10 says, this is the angel to John. He says, he says, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. So again, this theme of the bride. We're, we're, we're going to be married to the bridegroom. All, all of us as the bride have the same bridegroom. We have the same future. He's going to bring us to a place that he's prepared. And it's going to be glorious. It's going to be awesome. We're going to enjoy each other for the rest of the time. So this is something real quick from Galatians, all right? Paul is a very confrontational person, and he confronts Peter on something that he's doing. Now, Peter at one point was like, well, you know, salvation is for the Jews. You know, he, he, he's, he's ministering to Jews. But then God does something in his heart. He says, listen, and I'll, I'm summarizing this from uh, the book of Acts. He says, what I have called clean, don't call unclean. So he's talking about different people. So, and, and he preaches to, he goes to this man named Cornelius' household. He preaches the gospel there. The Holy Spirit falls. And he's like, hey, what do you know? God's saving the Gentiles too. So he goes and reports this to the, to the, to the other, his fellow um, Jews. And their response to, hey, God is saving people. It's crazy. Their response is, you ain't with who? And there's implied there that they were, they were criticizing him because he was eating with other people's. And so Peter's like, no, 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 no. I'm serious. Like God is saving the Gentiles. And he goes on, and they were like, okay, well then, yeah, God is saving the Gentiles. So he convinces them. He's very bold at that point. But then something happens. Here's Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when, he came, well, when they came, he drew back, and he separated himself, fearing the circumcision. And the Jews... And the rest of the Jews acted hip, hip, hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray in their hypocrisy. When I saw that their conduct was, check this, not in step with the truth of the gospel, 
I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force, Jews, uh, how can you force Gentiles to live like Jews? He's confronting him about the hypocrisy in that he was first li- like, like eating and sharing a meal with uh, Gentiles, but when the Jews came, he's like, oh, no, I don't, I don't know those people. Like, he, he acted differently. He, he was walking in a way that Paul said is not in step with the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel, and I said it earlier, we're all on the same level. We all are in need of God's grace. We all need redemption. And so Peter was walking in a way that showed partiality. This group is better than this group. Or I can't hang out with these people when these people are around. Because it's embarrassing or they're going to think badly of me. We need to eliminate that from our mindset, from our vocabularies. And yes, it is prevalent in St. Mary's County. There's there's still racism going on around here. We should be agents that always seek to counteract that wherever we are. In our personal lives and in the communities and in our churches. And even with other churches. Listen, there's going to be some churches that believe differently than us here. We should not ostracize and isolate ourselves from all of them just because, you know, they baptize a different way. Or, I mean, obviously there are the essentials, right? So if you don't, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation, that's a problem, right? Or if you believe that um, baptism, if you're not baptized, you're not saved, that's an issue. But I'm talking about people who believe in the core things that are spoken of in the Apostles' Creed. We should be united. And they might, be, they might apply things differently. They might think, think different things about things here and there. But we should be united. That's why I love where I serve at the mission. And there's, there's people uh, that are here this morning from uh, where I serve on Thursday nights at the mission. And where I'm on the committee there. I'm on the board. Different churches coming together. And it's a beautiful thing. And we're all, we're all, we all have the same purpose, the same mindset for the glory of God. Look at Jesus' heart here when he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is John verse 17, verse 22 to 23. He says, the glory that you have given me, talking to the Father, I have given them, and that they may become one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me. So God makes us one so that the world can know that he sent us. And in general, we're not doing too good, of a good, too good of a job because this is something that the secular world knows about the church, quote, unquote, the church, right? They know that we're separated, that we have our own cliques, our own cultures, our own clubs, and we kind of like go our own, we separate. Even though we work together in the secular world or we go to football games together and we enjoy stuff together like that, when it comes to God, it's like whoosh, scatter. We need to show the world that we're united as the body of Christ. So now we're going to get into some application. And I'll, I'll try to zoom through these. I know we got to go. And, and this, is, let me, this is a conversation that's going to be ongoing. I think until the rest of time, like, for, as long as we live, this is going to be a conversation because we're always, we always have a tendency to hang out with people that are just like us, Always. So we're, this is always this is going to have to be an ongoing conversation within our church and within our families and within our marriages and with, with, where, where we work. So the first thing we got to really apply is to be humble, pray, 
And if this is something that you struggle with or that you've seen yourself struggling with in the past or that you want greater understanding of so that you don't have this crazy tendency all the time to be separated from people that are not like you, pray. Humble yourself before God and watch him do a great work in your heart. Don't think higher of yourself than than you ought to, so remain humble. Don't think of other people groups as lesser than the people group that you belong to. And this, this can go multiple ways, all right? This is not just with the majority culture. This is with other ethnicities as well. And, and I hear about this even at Great Mills High School, even at my job. Listen, sometimes there's a, there's a cleaning crew that we have at work, and there's a lady that comes in who's of majority culture. She's white, and the, the white people that greets, that, that greets her uh, at the door, you know, she'll they'll chit-chat, yada, 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 yada. You know, it's all fun and games, it's cool. But then when some black people come in and clean the same area and do the same job, there's dead silence. And so I, I try to come in there and kind of be like the agent of change. I, I, I come in there, hey, what's up? Yo, did you watch that game the other day? That was crazy. So I, I try to be like, little things like that, y'all go a long way. Go a long way. Because there's, there's like bad perceptions that we have of each other. And a lot, of, a lot of times it's not even true. Right? Because there's been, there's been hurt in the past, and we've seen things on TV, and the movies portray things in a certain way, and we believe the movies. Unfortunately. We got to listen to each other. We got to humble ourselves in conversation, which is really hard to do. It's hard to do for me sometimes. It's hard to do. Because somebody will say something and you just don't like it. But what are, you gonna, what are we going to do? Like, is, 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 is raising your voice or making a face going to get the situation better? No. Listen to that person's heart and then, and then try to have a back and forth about whatever it is that you're talking about. That's really, really important. Realize that there are certain privileges that the majority culture enjoys. The majority culture in this country enjoys a certain amount of privileges. That has to be acknowledged. Part of the pain of the, and, and why, part of why people separate is because of the pain of lack of acknowledgement of that fact. Now, we can't be mean about it. Nobody on either side can be mean about this. Because, listen, if, if I lay a table of candies in front of my children and say, listen, you better not eat this candy. What are they going to do when I leave the room? They're going to be like, oh, they're going to be looking at the candy. You know, they're going to eat. Because we have a tendency to sin in the ways that are presented to us. So whatever circumstance we're in, that's the likelihood we have. We have a likelihood to sin in that regard. Right? So if you enjoy privileges and you're you're not aware that other people don't have the same privileges as you, you're going to live in a way, in, in a certain way. And the, other, and the other side, too, if you're underprivileged, if you're in an ethnicity that's underprivileged, there, there are things and, and sins that you might commit that others may not. You know what I'm saying? So we got to really be mindful of that. Really, really be mindful and acknowledge and be humble about it and listen to each other always. Be informed. Read, read, and read. Listen, I've been doing this myself. It is hard. Uh, I am a, uh, my parents are from the Dominican Republic. There are things that I've been learning even about the Dominican Republic and their relationship with Haiti that are really painful. And I'm like, ooh, that's not good. <laughs> and, and even all across the whole Western Hemisphere, there are a lot of issues historically that have been exposed. Please educate yourself. Please, please do that. Our past helps us to understand our present and helps us to find solutions for where we are in our present. Here's a couple of good books. Uh, United by Trillian Newbell. That's a good book. Bloodlines by John Piper, just to, to name a few. 
uh, and, and, I, and I read United, and I'm currently reading uh, Bloodlines. Excellent, excellent stuff. Don't assume they, that the other person on the other side is wrong. Please listen to each other. So number three, be intentional, all right? And I said this throughout, throughout the sermon. You gotta, you gotta, this has got to be an active process. We, we have a, a tendency to not do these things. So be intentional. You know, invite somebody to your house. I was talking to my neighbor the other day, and it was like, they were struggling with this, and they were like, yeah, I keep inviting them to church, but they don't come. I'm like, well, invite them to your house. Show them what you do. Show them who you are, right? Be impartial. Don't treat others as less than yourself, and I think that's, that's uh, without saying. It goes without saying. It starts in your heart. Be expectant. So long for the day that we will be standing before the throne united as a people. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. How good it is when we're united. And listen, when God saved me, he put me in a context where there was people utterly different than me that I would never hang out with. And I was like, okay, yeah, but they, they love Jesus, I love Jesus, we're worshiping together, it's all good. So be expecting of that. That's, that's going to be the eternal state. And be grateful, grateful. That God even saves any of us. Any of us. We, none of us deserve this. None of us. And so that, that kind of, the gospel in a lot of ways puts us in our place. It, like, like, who do you think you are? Like, you, you, you deserve death, but I've given you life. And I've asked you to come and be part of this family. Be part of this family. You, you, thank, thank me that I even saved you. This is from God's perspective. And so in conclusion, just to wrap up, God has shown us in his word what his heart is, and I pray that we seek to please the Father's heart. I pray that uh, more and more this church and other churches in St. Mary's County uh, become uh, an earthly manifestation of heaven in that regard, in its diversity. Uh, let's strive for this, y'all. It's going to be hard, but if we all do our part, it's going to be beautiful. And listen, it's going to be so attractive. I've been to churches that just, oh my goodness, the, the, the ratio of people is just so, so beautifully spread out, just diverse. And, it's, and nobody's beef and nobody's, you know, it's just beautiful to see that, to see that in person. Yes, we're going to see it in the end, right, the eternal state. But to see that live and in action, it's just, it, it, it can take your breath away and it shows this world who we really are. So, and, and again, be compelled by love. Love is what compels us. Love is what drives us. And the, the, the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ, those two things should compel every believer to, to action. So, I, I pray this morning, and I, I know I ran a little, a little over time, but, but please, listen, I've talked about this through, throughout the sermon. Um, if you don't belong to what we've been talking about, the body of Christ, like I said, it's, we're not preaching morality here. We're preaching a walk, a following of a Lord, of a master. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to follow him no matter how hard it may be. The Holy Spirit is what makes us what the Bible calls born again. If that isn't you this morning, you are in a deep, dark place. You are separated from your maker. You are not in alignment with what he made you to be. And you deserve death for that. You are cut off from the Father. And I pray that this day be the day of your salvation, that you trust Jesus with your soul, with your soul. Pray and ask him to save you. Believe in the gospel and repent. 
of your sin. And the Bible says you, sh- you shall be saved. And uh, I'll just uh, close this out with some prayer. Again, God has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. Let's be humble before him, before each other. And Father, I, I do pray that, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, for just this opportunity, Lord God. Father, your church is glorious. Your bride, Lord God, is just such a powerful agent on this globe, Lord God. Sin has come in and crept in and just devastated, Lord God. But Father, you are doing great and powerful things, Lord God, on this earth. Lord, you, there is revival going on even in this country, Lord God. As the night gets darker, the light is becoming that much more apparent, Lord, in the end days, Lord. Father, the hearts of men are being exposed so much more today than any other day. But Father, allow us to shine that much more brightly so that people know where to go, Lord. I pray, Father, that your heart be our heart more so every single day, Lord God, in every area of our lives, including what we spoke of today, Lord God. That there be repentance daily, Lord God, that there be um, just obedience on our part, Lord God. Father, that we seek your face, that we humble ourselves before you, that we get on our knees, Lord God, and, and just lift up holy hands and worship to you, Lord God, as our master, as our Lord, as our Savior, as our God, as our King. And Father, help us to not remember, help us to continually have this as an ongoing conversation. May our vocabularies change, may our hearts change, may our minds change. Convince us of who you are and what you want us to do, Lord God. And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.